0: Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with any of these products, it's all about educating yourself on their benefits. And they have a staff that's dedicated to helping you live a better life. So give them a call. Ask any questions you may have. 405-458-9699. We're also saving you 15% off your online order. Visit abotanicalcompany.com. Order online. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW and we'll save you 15%. Plus, they have a drive-through at at pickup, so it's easy, safe, and efficient pickup at Artisan Botanicals. Visit abotanicalcompany.com. All right, my weekly Wednesday guest will talk NFL Draft. Uh, We'll get Aaron's take on the Dak Prescott situation and just the other options that may have been available for the Dallas Cowboys, as well as evaluating some of the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft, and the Blake Griffin situation with the Brooklyn Nets. How does he fit Brooklyn is this a good fit? Does it make Brooklyn any better? So a lot to talk about on today's episode of the Colby Daniels podcast with my good friend and our weekly Wednesday guest, Aaron Davis. My guest every Wednesday is Aaron Davis. Aaron, happy Wednesday. Good morning. Uh, First and foremost, the wind for the last 24 hours has frequently just taken out my power. So we've had multiple power flashes over the last 24 hours. So if, if, for some reason, all of a sudden I'm just gone. Give me like five minutes or or you know around that time period, and everything will get fired back up and and we will uh we will reconnect is it like really yeah i I feel like it's been windy, but I didn't feel
1: like it was that windy that you sh- it would be knocking your power out is it are you like are there still issues
0: like out there somewhere from the snowstorm Like it's weird no idea it it's just really i it started blowing. Yesterday, pretty pretty hard, and uh, multiple times yesterday, it went out while I was online, uh, while I was uh, streaming yesterday's episode, um, this morning a couple times, so, yeah.
1: Just, I don't know a lot about... Be- electricity or any of that stuff obviously but it's really that it feels like uh it has been windy I'll get like it has been windy for sure but I feel like it's been that when there's gotta be it's got to be like knocking a tree into a power something. line or something
0: yeah and well and, and it just it goes off and comes right back on it's just flashing so it's not like staying off which is honestly like
1: when you're trying to do something online is way more frustrating <laughs> than it just going out <laughs> for like an hour right because you're like, oh, okay, just went out, my, but like everything has to reboot. Yeah, like you my have to wait for the Wi-Fi
0: to... and everything to boot back up.
1: Yeah, and then you're like, all right, we're good to go. Let's, uh, it's back, and then it goes out five minutes later, and you got to do it all over again. And you're like, okay, is this gonna happen again in five minutes? At least if it goes out, you're like, it's out. Like I can't do anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm dealing with that, and then on the other hand, I'm trying my best to give my A game, but it's pretty tough because I was up all night long. I've, I've, I'm operating on like maybe two full hours of sleep. Little man around one o'clock in the morning, woke up, wasn't feeling well, wakes me up, says, daddy, I'm sick or my tummy hurts or something. I don't even remember the exact words, uh, but he ends up throwing up. So I'm like, okay, great. Well, so we get him all, we get him all fixed up, get him back to bed wakes up again somewhere in the neighborhood. Like by the time I finally did all that, got back to sleep, it wasn't very long. It's like three something in the morning. The second time he wakes me up, again, doesn't feel well. He vomits in the living room. Cleaning that up, cleaning him up, getting him all, you know, cleaned up. It's just a, it's a nightmare. Uh, Does it again around five something in the morning. Um, Pukes in the hallway, pukes in the bathroom, Pukes all over himself, so, you know, I'm having to change his clothes and get him showered and clean up his mess and get him squared away. So I'm like, the gas tank is nearly empty. I, I, I just don't have a lot of energy, barely got any sleep. Well, somehow, through all of that, through, through the entire night of him not feeling well, not sleeping, puking his guts out, when we finally did go to sleep the last time and woke up like an hour later for the day... He feels fine. He even has a glow about him. Like, he, he looks like nothing has been wrong with him the entire night. Like, he got a full night's sleep, and he also, I like, split. has a full gas tank. He is hyper as can be. He's bouncing off the walls. He wants to, like, show me every toy that he had. Like, it's like, daddy, 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 look at this, look at this, let's play this. Like, running around the—I'm like, what is happening? You were sick all night long. You've puked your guts out. You didn't get any sleep. I didn't get any sleep. I can barely operate right now, and he is just balls to the wall, 100 miles an hour. It's, it's insanity. This is what I'm dealing with. I, uh,
1: so I, could, like, I'm, I don't even think about this very often, but the story is like, reminding me that like, when I have a kid, the kids just throw up all the time. Like, I haven't thrown up in 10 years, <laughs> but I probably threw up three or four times a year when I was a kid and like they and like 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 Carter did like they never like it's, you never like they never have control over where they throw up they just kind of like wait until the last yep. second and then decide okay I'm throwing up right now <laughs> wherever I stand like like I remember like I remember throwing up in hallways like oh yeah most of the most of the time it was like the hallway to my bedroom my parents bedroom where I'm like I don't feel good instead of just going to the bathroom and throwing up I got to let them know hey I don't feel good I'm going to throw up and then that time that I used to do that, I end up just throwing up on the floor yeah. right outside their bedroom. Yeah. That's
0: what happens every time. He tells me that his tummy hurts. He doesn't feel good. And as I'm like generally carrying him, like arms extended, carrying him in front of me to the bathroom, that's when it always happens. And so it happens with him in my arms, usually down the front of his shirt, the pathway that we're taking to whatever the, the closest restroom to us is. Yeah, every time.
1: Meanwhile, as an adult, you'll sit, you'll sit by the toilet for two hours. Like, okay, I'm about to throw up.
0: <laughs> 100%.
1: <laughs> All right, here we go. Here it goes.
0: <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> nope. nope, not yet. It's coming though. I feel it. Oh man. So yeah, the, uh, the gas tank is empty, man. I'm, I'm struggling. And then I stub my toe. At one point in the night, as I'm carrying him into the dark bathroom with the lights off, I stub my toe, the second smallest toe on your foot, I stub that oh. one on, like, his little step stool that, that's in front of the sink in the bathroom.
1: <sighs> so you had a good night is what you're telling Dude, me.
0: Dude, I'm like, I, I'm struggling today. Yeah. It's, I've had better days. Well, at least he's feeling better. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's watching cars right now. He's playing with his Hot Wheels. He's fantastic. He wants to eat Pop-Tarts for breakfast, and I'm like, no! You're not any Pop-Tarts <laughs> after you've vomited all night! Absolutely not!
1: Barked your brains out. You're gonna, yeah. We're going to hold up on the Pop-Tarts. Yeah.
0: You're having water. You can have water is what you can have till we can confirm that nothing else is coming up. <sighs> yeah, anyway. What's going on, man? <laughs> now that- <laughs> Not much, just uh
1: just hanging out, just uh went out to uh the Tallgrass Prairie Preserve or whatever it's called up in Northeast Oklahoma, at, like Pawhuska. drove 3 hours out there to drive on some gravel roads for a couple hours, pretty cool. Did that on Monday and just living, man. Just uh just waiting for something to start. I just feel like there's nothing going on right now. Yeah. Like I think, I mean, I guess luckily, you know, the NFL has been, you know, entertaining as far as the news has gone lately. Um, I guess now is my time to start getting into college basketball since the tournament's about to start. But other than that, like, I, honestly, like, All-Star Weekend didn't really excite me that much. And especially with them, I, I, well, I think it was a good idea to do it all Sunday night. I also was busy Sunday night, so like that just forced me into a situation where I couldn't watch anything unless oh, I yeah. wanted to watch. That's yeah. not true. I did watch the stupid two on two game between two chains and those other three guys, which <laughs> 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 was so bad. It where, was uh, comically I, I, bad. Was that on Sunday? Yeah, uh, Saturday. Oh, did okay. it
0: on Saturday. I, I think. Yeah, I didn't um, see any of that.
1: Yeah, I was. Uh, it was comically bad. It was pretty funny. I watched it on Twitter, but yeah, just. I, I baseball starting soon, like I, I keep saying, but I'm excited for that. But I can't I mean I can't get into spring training that much. Spring training has always been this can hold my attention for like two innings and I got to do something else.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, I mean, if if you were there in person, maybe it's a different story, but I, right. I mean, I'm a baseball fan, but I'm not a watch a complete nine inning spring training game baseball. Fan. for.
1: Yeah, for for a sport where the regular season games matter. So little, uh, like in the grand scheme of things. Right now, there are arguments that they do matter because so many, you know, playoff teams miss it the playoffs by one game. So you can't say they don't absolutely, absolutely just don't matter. But they matter the least out of any sport.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, if you lose a game, most, I mean, it's like okay, you have a hundred games left to try and correct that right. loss.
1: Exactly, and. Like those losses really only, unless you're losing a bunch, but like they really only matter at the end of the season. And by that point, you're like, damn, wish we would have won that game. Yeah. But you could say that about 70 games. Anyways, like it's hard. How do you care about a game that literally doesn't matter? Yeah. You know, the players that are going to be on the team are playing an inning or two.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. It's, you know, it's weird because we had the, the All Star game on Sunday, and then for the last two days. Like, we've had the NBA on break and then college basketball. I know there have been some small tournament games, uh, but, you know, especially in this region, like the Big 12 tournament hadn't started yet, so we were without both college and NBA basketball here the last couple days. Uh, and, it, yeah, it just kind of felt like that. It, I mean, it felt like an all-star break, typically, you know? Yeah. There's just, like, nothing happening.
1: And what, yeah, what, it, uh, I mean, what
0: better time for... Uh, like, Monday was almost like a news dump day. It was crazy. I, I just thought, like, what are they doing? Like, th- usually you fire a coach on, on a Friday with Kansas situation, and then, th- you know, the whole Dak Prescott thing happens. And
1: Do you think that, okay, so the Les Miles thing, do you think that Kansas was kind of just looking for a reason to fire him and this LSU stuff came out and they're like, that's it, fire him? Just because they've been, he hasn't improved the situation at all? over the past couple of years, or do you think that they only fired him because of this controversy coming out of LSU?
0: Yes. I, I do, Yeah, I don't think one is, is exclusive of the other. Yeah, I think they, they both probably are true. Yeah. I mean... Uh, they probably wanted to move on from him if possible, and this right. absolutely facilitates that.
1: I mean, they said – I mean, Kansas said that they vetted him and there was no red flags and –
0: Yeah, that's bullshit. All this – yeah. <laughs> well, I
1: mean, it's Kansas football. But, uh, okay, let me ask you this about Kansas because uh, I've seen this thrown around. Uh, triple option. Why? Like, why not?
0: No, I'm with you. Why not? Bring something that is completely different to the conference and, I mean, you're going to lose anyway. Why not uh, – why not be the team that is completely different to prepare for? Why not stylistically give people problems because they don't see your style every day? I'm, I'm with you. I'd, I'd, it's it's a great idea.
1: Well, and also, if you're going to try and, you know, compete, like, if you're going to try to run a spread offense, that means you're basically trying to compete athletically with the other, like, Oklahoma and Texas and yeah. Oklahoma State, and you're never going to do that. Why? Like, you, with the triple option, it allows you to... Not only be different systematically and and schematically, and you know, force teams to do something different when they prepare for you, but I think it makes recruiting a lot easier. I mean, look at Army and Navy have tremendous success running the triple option. Now, it doesn't always equate to a bunch of wins and losses every year, but or wins necessarily, but they are they make it work, and sometimes they win ten games. Sometimes they're really good. No, those those military, those naval academy or not naval academy, the military schools a really good running the triple option. I think it's because they don't necessarily have to have the best
0: athletes to be effective in that offense. They just right. need
1: dudes that are tough and strong.
0: Right. And it's, it's, you know, it's not easy to defend. And if you don't see it every day, certainly it's not easy yeah. to defend. So I mean, how
1: we, we saw, OU struggle with it when the army came to Norman. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. I, I
0: think it's a great idea. I, I, if I were Kansas, I mean, you know, depending on, on what coaches are available, why not? Uh, you have nothing I, to lose. And again, nobody else is running that system in this conference. And what what was the number? They've won like 23 games or something crazy like that since they got rid of Mark Mangino, however many years ago that's been. That's insane.
1: Yeah, and he had them at a point where they were in a BCS Bowl. Yeah. Like they were, I remember, I still remember watching that. I think it was 2007. Yeah, in I think it was 2007. Park, yeah. Yeah, watching that Missouri Kansas game with Todd Reesing and Chase Daniel, and like they were two and four, or whatever they were one and two. They were I know they were both in the top five. It was something insane, and like getting excited. I'm like, oh my god, this is Kansas football. They're like number four. They might win the Big Twelve. Obviously, Kansas ended up, or Missouri ended up beating them, but he had them in a really good spot. And then, yeah, just I don't, I don't know. I, maybe I don't know Crazy. if that was just like luck that. It kind of got to a point where the rest of the Big 12 was down. Like all the teams outside of, you know, I don't even know. Cause Texas Tech was good in that, in that stretch. Oklahoma State wasn't bad. Like I guess they just, Mangino, Mangino just really had them going for that one year when they were 12, yeah, 12 and 1 in 2007. Yeah. And, then and that was left. when the Big
0: 12 was good. Like that's the other thing. It wasn't, yeah. I mean, the Big yeah. 12 is still considered, I, in my opinion, the best conference in the country, right? Missouri was good with Chase Daniel. Um, Texas Can't, and Oklahoma yeah, were top Texas, five Oklahoma teams. Texas Oklahoma were top five teams. Oklahoma State was emerging as a, you know, perennial top 25 team. I mean, A&M was what they are, you know. They're
1: yeah. not going to lay down. I was trying to talk myself into the Big 12 being bad, but they're not. Like, Yeah, they were. Yeah. Kansas just also happened to be good in that stretch. Uh, yeah, since Mangino got fired, they have not won four games in a season. The most they've won in a season was three yeah. since 2010.
0: That's insane. Unreal, and
1: they've it, and they had names. I mean, they had Charlie Weiss in there for a couple of years. Uh, obviously, Les Miles, Beatty was in there. I I don't know why they kept Beatty so long. He was he was. Really they were bad. terrible with under Beatty, but yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy that uh, yeah Mangino won three bowl games. They went to four bowl games, and our and won
0: three of them. Yeah, including an Orange Bowl. Yeah. I, I like the uh, – you I, I tweeted this. Um, the next head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks should be fill in the blank. Uh, I got a lot of good answers. Some of my favorites were Tom Herman. That would be fun. Uh, Hugh Jackson. <laughs> I mean, who, who else has experience as far as coaching a perennial loser? Hugh Jackson. He'd fit right in. It's so funny that, like you say, Hugh Jackson, who's been
1: like a coach of the NFL for like multiple years. And we both immediately start laughing at that thought of
0: him coaching Kansas. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's just, it's perfect. Uh, art Bryles is a good one.
1: Oh, he's a scumbag. Man. He is I mean, he's a scumbag. Uh, That's
0: why it's, it's a fun, like, I'm not fun, saying yeah. really like they yeah, shouldn't Bryles, really hire Art Bryles, but, but you know, just, just having fun here
1: to go from, uh, from less to art. That would be,
0: yeah. That would be, I mean, that would make him interesting. Yeah, we're getting rid of this scumbag Les Miles for all this stuff that he's done off the field. Welcome, new Kansas head coach, Art Briles. Art Bryles. Um, And then uh, the other one that, that was kind of funny. How about uh, Bill Snyder? He has history oh, turning yeah. around, losing programs. He's, he knows the state of Kansas really well. He's uh, got coach until he's 170 to
1: get Kansas to turn around.
0: Bill Snyder, head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. That would be amazing. That would be funny. The, yeah, I look,
1: I agree, though. I think they should do go to the triple option. Uh, going back to that, because not only, I mean, I guess it might limit your coaching ability, or options because there's just not a lot of, I don't think there's a lot of coaches out there that schematically want to run the triple option. But yeah. if you can find one that will go to Lawrence, I think that'd be funny because I think that's an offense, too, that a lot of people can get behind. I think that's an offense that fans... Especially if you're like a fan of Kansas and you just need something to get you excited to go to the games on Saturday, I think, I think that in 2021 with so many teams running the spread, I think if a team runs a triple option, I think fans can, I think the Kansas fans can absolutely get behind that. Why not? What do you have to lose running the triple option?
0: Yeah, there's, Nothing. I mean. Th- if you can't get behind that, uh, then you're probably just a lost cause as far as Kansas football. I mean, I don't know right. how many people are super invested in that thing after the last 10 years anyway. So, yeah, yeah you, I mean, it's- like literally I, one guy said, uh, hire me as coach. I literally can't do a worse job. And He's right. <laughs> like you, you and I could be put in that position and it's not getting worse. I mean, there's, yeah. there's nowhere to go from where they currently are. They are at the very bottom.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, that entire that entire campus. All right, I shouldn't say campus because that's gonna the entire athletic program. Yeah, let me phrase it that way. Not uh, not in a hot situation right now. I mean, even the Kansas basketball is down right now. I mean, the fact that I mean, I guess they could. Is there a big? There's a Big Twelve tournament, right? Yeah. I guess they could still win the tournament, but
0: first rounds today.
1: Yeah, we got Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma plays today, yeah. right? Yeah, at uh, eight thirty. I guess I'll be tuning into that. Uh, I guess they could still win the Big Twelve tournament, but even which I guess this says a lot about Kansas basketball for the fact that I'm like they're not going to win the tournament. So Some, there, something's happening. Yeah, things are they're, they're bad the two seed, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean they're the two seed, and I'm like, oh, thanks for bad. <laughs> things are not looking well, good. At Lawrence, like
0: halfway through the year, they were like the four or five seed at one point. Uh, they've, they've kind of pulled it together, but yeah, they certainly, I mean, they're not the, they're not the best team in the conference. So,
1: I mean, I guess things are better. I think it's, I guess they're doing better than Iowa State basketball. Who's 0 and 18 in conference. Not
0: good. They are not a good basketball team.
1: Still made the tournament though. Didn't win a single game in conference. Still, still, still got in the tournament, but,
0: uh, everybody gets in the tournament.
1: Yeah, I know, but it's just, it's like, it's funny. (laughs)
0: Yeah, we didn't do anything. We lost every
1: <laughs> game we played. No big deal. We're still in. Shouldn't we there, still yeah, there, the there should
0: be like you have to win a conference game. To, right. Yeah. Your, your winning record overall shouldn't be .087, and you're still like, yeah, we're going to the dance. We still have a chance, guys. We still have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. We just got to win the next four.
1: Could you imagine if they won five
0: games? Oh, it'd the that it'd would be amazing. It'd be absolutely awful. amazing. Now that you say that. Uh Oklahoma desperately needs a win uh, after their four-game losing streak. But if Iowa State were to beat OU, it's like, you know what? Let's do it. It's just
1: roll. Let's it's, just, yeah. yeah.
0: Go Cyclones. 0-18 in conference play. Win the Big 12 tournament. Punch your ticket. That would be That's awesome. That's what conference tournaments are all about. Giving the underdog their opportunity.
1: And then uh, Oklahoma gets knocked out of the tournament, and everybody's <laughs> just...
0: Yeah, there's no way they would be knocked out, but, yeah, it's it wouldn't be good. I, I think the the fans are already a little restless after after losing four straight. I
1: they should be. They were rolling, man. They had, what,
0: yeah. three straight top 15, top 10 wins. Yeah, they were, uh, uh, I think they got as high as number seven in the country.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they were top both, 10, uh, like,
0: yeah.
1: I think that was the first, maybe the first time they lost Oklahoma State, they were a top 10 team. Yeah. Oklahoma State's rolling the opposite, though. I mean, they're yeah, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's, State's been, looking good,
0: and if, if they hot. if they're fully healthy, Cade Cunningham comes back and and he doesn't have any issues. Isaac Likely finally comes back and he's healthy. That's a that's a really dangerous team. So,
1: yeah, I mean, they beat to beat West Virginia without Cade. Yeah, I mean, that was I, I was impressive. Yeah, I was really impressed that they were able to do that without Cunningham.
0: What do you think of the Dak Prescott contract? I was uh, I was pretty shocked that they were able to get it done, but. Uh, what would you think?
1: Um, so I think that obviously for Dak, I'm good, happy for Dak. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Dak Prescott fan. As much as I don't like the Cowboys, I really like Dak Prescott. Yeah. Um, great deal for him, obviously. Get that extension. Get that money. I, I think if you're Dallas, though, it's probably not the business you wanted to do necessarily. I think if it was up to them, they probably would have franchise tagged him. Uh, just coming off the injury, like I think that from a business perspective, it's got to be a little tough to swallow giving him 164 million dollars potentially when he's coming off a severe ankle injury and you just don't really know what he's going to look like. Yeah. So you would assume he'll be okay, just because it's not a knee, it's not a shoulder, it shouldn't affect his throwing too much. Right. But we don't know. We don't know. Like his his. Ankle, his foot was literally turned 180 degrees the wrong way. So, yeah, I mean, but $66 million signing bonus. Like, they threw a lot of money at him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good for him. Uh, it sure up their quarterback spot, and they don't really have to worry about it. But, yeah, it's I, I got to say there's got to be some concern in that front office.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to me because I, I thought they were going to franchise tag him as well. But I think the argument against franchise tagging him would be if he does bounce back and has another good season, you're just one more time adding to what the next contract is going to look like, right? Like, they're already paying right now for for gambling and losing two years ago and then a, a year ago. Like, they could have done this for cheaper two years ago. And I remember when we were talking about it on the radio. Remember when, when the, the report came out that the Cowboys had offered Dak 30 million a year and he was asking for 40 million a year and we all everybody said he just take it. and everybody said like he's out of his mind he's not worth 40 million dollars but when you when you look at what the quarterback contracts were at that point and where they were going I think you you at, at some point you have to look in the crystal ball and kind of look down the line and see what it's going to look like you know in 2 years in 3 years and not necessarily be worried whether a guy, quote-unquote, is worth it today. And uh, I, I think the Cowboys kind of failed to do that the first time around, and now they're kind of paying for it. And look, for the people that want to say Dak Prescott is, being, is overpaid right now, his first three years in the league, he made less than a million dollars a year. So, like, was he underpaid at that point? Like, is, is that how this works? If we're going to call him overpaid now, Was he massively underpaid those first three years where he didn't even make a million dollars a season? So sometimes I think, yeah, yeah, sometimes you get rewarded uh, when you didn't make a whole lot of money when you're on a cheap rookie contract. Sometimes you get rewarded for that. But I think more than anything, the thing that stands out is he gets the massive contract, a lot of guaranteed money, but it doesn't impact the cap. Like in a way where Dallas is crippled, in terms of their roster and what they can do. He is only going to account for $22 million against the cap this upcoming season. Like, this is a There's no-brainer. So if you don't like, like, for anybody that doesn't like this contract or thinks it's a terrible contract for the Cowboys, basically what you're saying is it's a terrible contract for Jerry Jones' savings account. That's it. Like, Jerry yeah. Jones is spending the money. This doesn't impact the Cowboys' football team. It impacts Jerry Jones. Also, to, to back to, to you know go back to the cap thing, they even
1: if Dak wasn't even under contract, they still are over the cap. Like they still wouldn't have a bunch of money to spend, especially since the cap's dropping to what a one hundred eighty-two and a half. Yeah, I mean they're at right now. They're at two hundred eight with Dak's twenty-two. So yeah. they would still be over. Which was,
0: what I've I've heard is there that multiple deals will be restructured.
1: Right. Exactly. It's only yeah. March tenth. Like free agency hasn't started. They just right. Like the offseason really just started. What like last week. Yeah. With the franchise tags, are this week, um, they got to rework Zeke's deal. I think that Zeke's deal is probably got to be up there with. I mean, he's. I don't know. I don't know what you do with Zeke right now. I mean, he's under contract till twenty twenty five. Yeah. And in the grand scheme, I guess fifteen mil a year isn't like that bad. But for a running back who's already getting who's getting older, and I don't know. I, well, you know, obviously we need to see what 2021 looks like. But 2020, he was not even close to what the, he used to be, uh, you know, physically. But who knows where that goes. Um, you're, I mean, you're probably going to get in a situation where you're going to have to choose between CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. And I would say you probably go with CeeDee Lamb.
0: Yeah, that's that's four years away, though. I mean, for CeeDee Lamb.
1: Well, right. But, I mean, if this is Gallup's last year on his yeah. deal. So if you're going to let him walk you need to, I mean, you, yeah, you got to make this decision now because if you're going to keep Gallup, you resign him. They'll probably,
0: my guess is they'll probably extend Gallup and, and Amari Cooper most likely becomes the casualty at some point.
1: To trade? Well, I mean, Cooper's got the extension through 2024. Right. So, but I mean, they could easily trade him or do whatever. Or, He's, I
0: mean, they, they may end up cutting him. I mean, that's, we see this in the NFL all the time. These massive right, contracts, sh- guys, good players get cut just just to free up money.
1: I don't get it. I've heard that... They, the teams literally only do that to like make face with the agents. And I guess that like, that makes sense. But also like that just makes sports so much, so much more boring to me. If teams are like not trading players, or not trying to make the teams better in the moment because they want, you know, the agent to not be mad at them in five years down the line when they yeah. want to sign another one of their clients as, I, I don't know. I still think Dallas is set up like pretty well. I mean, obviously, we talked about it last week when we talked the draft. They need some. They need help on both lines, especially on the interior of the uh, defensive line. But I still think they're pretty good. Like defenses in the NFL are so fickle. Like Dallas could come out and have a top ten to fifteen defense next year. Um, I mean, how many teams consistently have a top ten defense? Like maybe three or four. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, we talked Dallas a couple years ago. Their defense was the only reason that they were winning games two years ago. Right. And, I mean, I guess you had, like, Byron Smith was on the te- Byron Jones was on the team. There wasn't really a lot of difference in the personnel, was there, from what not, there is now? Not a
0: ton. I mean, as far as, you know, like, at that point, I think we were looking at Demarcus Lawrence being one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He's still there. Yeah. Uh, especially the two linebackers. That That probably is the biggest difference for me. Is, I think it was a schematic issue last year, Yeah, honestly. for sure. J- Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch two years ago were both, I mean, pro bowlers, right? They were both mm-hmm. really, really good. And last year, there were a lot of issues. Now, I would also say this. The interior of the defensive line is was so bad last year that those guys weren't kept clean at all. So, I mean, that also accounts for some of their lack of production or lack of playmaking. So, look, I, I think you get one guy in the middle – of that thing. And it makes a bunch of positions better than they were last year. I'm not saying it fixes everything, but you just get one guy that, that isn't going to get blown off the football in the middle of the line of scrimmage. uh, And, and everything from that point is at least going to improve. So
1: they tried to, they brought in Gerald McCoy last year. He just got hurt before the season started and just kind of, I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows how much of a difference he would have made? He's obviously not the Gerald McCoy from, you know, six, seven years ago when he was arguably the best defensive player in the NFL. Yeah. But I think he probably would have helped. He wouldn't have hurt. He absolutely would have helped, yeah. I don't imagine. So, I mean, that definitely put a damper on it. But, yeah, I mean, they they need as good – as much as I like Neville Gallimore. Like, they need more than Neville Gallimore and, what, Tristan Hill? Yeah. Coming through the interior, yeah. So, but, I mean – To my point, though, they're not many pieces away from winning 10 to 12 games, in my opinion.
0: I mean, they almost won that division with Andy Dalton quarterbacking.
1: And it took them, what, like three or four games before Andy Dalton? Maybe it was like, yeah, there was the Cincinnati game and then the Arizona game. And then he was terrible in both of those games. And then after that, I mean, he kind of settled in a little bit more. Like, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't good by any means, but he wasn't terrible. Who knows if he would have played better in that Arizona. Yeah, it's just, again, yeah.
0: That defense halfway through the season was on pace to be the worst defense in NFL history. And then you also had Andy Dalton quarterbacking that group where at one point they only had one offensive lineman from the previous season playing. And they still ended up like going all the way down the stretch as a potential division winner.
1: And like I said a minute ago, Zeke Zeke wasn't running like Zeke. Tony Pollard was by far, I would say, the more uh, effective running back in that offense last year just because he's a little bit – I guess he's a little bit more versatile in as far as uh, his agility. Just is a different running style, I guess I should say. was not really more versatile. Zeke's yeah. uh, pretty damn versatile. But, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, I think that they could be a good team. There's a lot of teams, people that had Dallas potentially going to the Super Bowl last year, and I don't think there's – I don't think it would be stupid. I think the only thing that would make it a stupid statement is the fact that Mike McCarthy is the head coach, and yeah. Kellen Moore is still the offensive coordinator. Yeah. But from a personnel standpoint, I think that they're, I think they're, there. I think they can be right there. Which is, I mean, damn, that's kind of been the that hasn't been the phrase for the Cowboys for the past fifteen years that their personnel is there. Like they've got one of the best rosters, but they just can't like. Whether it's it's probably coaching, honestly, like going back to when Romo came into the league, they've had damn good teams from a personnel standpoint. But you trust? Uh, do you trust Jason Garrett or um, Kellen Moore? Kellen Moore or uh, Wade Phillips or Mike McCarthy to get you the team where they need to go? Probably not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's look the defense, the defensive coordinator situation should just automatically make the defense better than it was last year. I mean, even if you aren't talking about any personnel changes, just the change in defensive coordinator should result in in better play. But we're also talking about you know adding some pieces in the draft or you know whichever way they decide to go, they've got to address the defense. Offensively, I mean, again, I think it's just it's. The, the number one thing is the health factor. Like I talked about, you lose Dak Prescott and then you lose four of your five offensive linemen. You had one offensive lineman playing from the previous season down the stretch of the yes. year. Like it's no, nobody's going to have a ton of success offensively. Um, e, you know, even if Dak didn't get hurt by that point, if that's the offensive line, you're still not going to be insanely productive. So if the tackles are relatively healthy and uh, you have at least a little bit of consistency on that offensive line, the playmakers are there offensively. They're, they're going to be just fine. Um, and then, you know, the, for me, the offense thing is also the scheme and, and just they're so predictable. They're so boring. They, they are – it's a very old-school offense. It's like they, they've taken – it's like they have the oldest playbook in the NFL and they're trying to run the oldest playbook in the NFL out of like some modern personnel packages, but that's it. Like nothing's really different. The the personnel packages are just modern, but there's not anything creative about what they're doing. So it,
1: yeah, that it's so interesting with the Cowboys though, because like this whole thing, this whole like Jerry Jones era started with something that was unbelievably progressive in like, Thinking five, you know, five to ten years down the road, when he traded Herschel Walker, and like you said, now they just kind of seem stuck and like can't catch up with the times. Like yeah. hiring Mike McCarthy, or like running an offense that just looks like they're five years, five or ten years behind the rest of the league. Yeah, it's just it's com- funny how it's just completely shifted how they can't, they just can't seemingly catch up. Which is – it's not like it's impossible. I mean Andy Reid is coaching arguably the most – the best offense ever. And He's been in the league forever, and he adapts all the time. So right. it's not like – you just have to be stuck in your ways. You can hire a coach that can adapt. The front office can adapt. Like, I how, – how frustrating – is it frustrating to you that the Cowboys have had so much talent over the past 15 years and not even like, – they haven't even made a Super Bowl? They made, what, one NFC championship game? No, no, I haven't. no they, they haven't made an NFC, NFC championship, championship game. No. Yeah,
0: I forgot the uh, yeah. that
1: Dallas Green Bay game was a divisional round.
0: Yep. They had a bye. They were. I thought they were the best team in the NFC that year. They had a bye. They uh, they were leading late, and then Aaron Rodgers happened.
1: You, hell, are you talking about uh, Dak's rookie year or t- uh, Romo's? Oh, I was talking about Dak's rookie Dez year. Catch. Yeah, I thought. Oh, what? Well, yeah, you you could throw that in there. The Dez catch yeah. year. The Dez catch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when Demarco Murray was running all over the league, and, you know, yeah, I mean, they've had multiple teams.
0: I was skeptical about how good they were that year, the the Dez catch year. They were really relying on DeMarco. It was, uh, yeah, like, they were good, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that they weren't, but I didn't have the same feeling of, like, they could really get this done, like I did Dak's rookie year, that year that Dak and Zeke were both just incredible, and they were good on both sides of the ball, and then, you know, again... We all know how that ended. That they had the, the first round by. Would they go thirteen and three that year? I think. Um, they, Twelve and
1: four, 13 and three. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, they had
0: the first round by, and then they had that great game against the Packers. And you know, Aaron Rodgers throws that ridiculous pass down the sideline, the and then Mercedes Green, Lewis, I think, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and then uh, then Green Bay wins it on on the field goal. Um, you know, D- Dak played great in that game. Dak was terrific in that game. It, it just yeah, uh, they win. They had the opportunity it, it, to win, and, and look, I, I, that team, I, I absolutely had the feeling like this team could win it all. Like, they could potentially. They have enough. They have that it factor. I, I, I thought that team was absolutely capable of winning it. And then, then I think because of that, you just kind of look at what the core of that group was over the last several seasons. Like, that core's been there, and you know that that is still obtainable, but you know they've not had the entire group together it's been either the offensive line is out they've had defensive issues like it's they've just there's just been a failure from that point to 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 be able to i think just you know find that uh, that same consistency and yeah we'll see i don't know I, I mean look in the nfl you have to have either a great defense or the quarterback and Again, when you look at at Dallas's key players, and like if you wanted to make a list of Dallas's best ten to fifteen players, the majority of those guys are either. Well, I was just going to make the point: the majority of those guys are in the prime of their career. Yeah, they're not guys that you know have like ten years ahead of them. They're guys that are currently in the prime years of their career. So. You got to try to win now if you're going to win with this group. This isn't like a, hey, let's try and win 5 years down the road. This is a you got to try to win now. DeMarcus Lawrence is in the prime of his career. Your your offensive line, all of those guys are in the prime of their career or, you know, getting close their to pass. like that back end yeah. of the prime of their career. Like, you know, Tyron Smith has been one of the best tackles in the NFL for a long time. He's he's on the back end of it. So, you know, Zeke is in the prime of his career. He's not he's not getting more tread on the tires as time goes on. So I I think it's a position for Dallas. You have to win now if you're going to win now, you know, those are two different arguments, but if you're going to win with this group, the time to do it is today, 2021, 2022, you have to make a run immediately. And, and it's not a, you know, let's hope we're good in 2023
1: or 2024. Was, um, Were there any Romo teams that you felt like had that shot? Or was it or as a Cowboys fan, was it just kinda like you all you had that thought in the back of your mind that Romo was gonna find a way to lose a game?
0: I don't know that it was always on Romo, but yeah, it it just always the Romo teams, I always felt like there was just something missing. It never like I never really just felt like, hey, this team is gonna go win. There was always just like, I hope they win. They could win. But there I don't know. There was just something in my gut that never was at ease or completely confident about them getting it done, like that first year with with Dak and Zeke. Well, I mean, there were
1: just so many years, like in so many games where where Romo would just throw a pick late in the fourth quarter, you know, in a one score game and or or fumble the I know it was his rookie year <laughs> or whatever, but fumble the extra point or whatever it might uh, be. Like yeah. there were just so many instances where Romo would play great for the first 55 minutes of the game and then make one mistake late in the game, and it would cost him. So I, I can only imagine what it was like going to Dak that rookie year where he threw, what, like three picks, four picks? Like he was just yeah. didn't turn the ball over ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he was, and, he was yeah. really good. But
1: oh, to yeah. be a Cowboys fan, at least yeah. you uh, you got something, man. You know, yeah. I don't even have a team. I don't even have a team that I can root for.
0: I did, I did a bunch of mock drafts uh, last night. And my favorite first-round pick, I, I think I've, I've settled on one player. And I think there's a good chance that he's going to be available. As an outsider, give me your opinion on this. Because you know the Cowboys' makeup. You know how good they are offensively from a personnel standpoint and how much they need defensively from a personnel standpoint. But when I look at this, this number 10 overall pick... If Kyle Pitts is available, I think you have to take it. I agree. I mean, we talked about it last week. I mean,
1: there's not really positions in this draft where there's one guy that is just light years ahead of everybody else available at that position, other than like Kyle Pitts. Yeah. I think Kyle Pitts is far and away the best tight end in, in this draft. Um, like, I. I agree. Yeah, I think that would be a great pickup. He's a difference-making tight end and also I think that that puts Dallas in a potential situation where like we said a few minutes ago, if they don't want to extend Gallup or they you know they need to save some money because they feel like they're going to have to pay CD a lot of money in a couple of years, they got Kyle Pitts there who if he works out could be just a, I mean he's not a traditional tight end. He's like just a Yeah. He's a receiver, base. He's just a big receiver. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would. I think that would be a great pick if he's there at ten. And the fact that we're saying that it's it could be a straight, like it's very possible he's not even there at ten speaks on you know how high teams have him and how good he is.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I I also see the potential of four to five quarterbacks going in the top ten. For sure, I think most NFL draft Callum people feel there? like who where's Kellen Oh yeah, he's like he, he's at like twelve. So
1: oh, 12, okay, yeah. just slipping uh, out. Okay.
0: <laughs> we'll get into that in a second uh I the three receivers at the top of this draft with Jamar Chase Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle all three of those guys are potential top 10 picks and then there are a couple I mean Panay Sewell I would love at 10 if if Pitts weren't available but I have a hard time believing Sewell gets past like Cincinnati for example so I I, I definitely think it's a possibility that Kyle Pitts is there at 10 and if he is you know, I, I know that, like, I really like Caleb Farley, the corner out of Virginia Tech, and Dallas needs a corner. But if you ask me, like, if I had to bet, put my own money on which guy in this draft becomes a, a Hall of Fame caliber player, I think Kyle Pitts is the easiest bet to make, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, he, he from, well, not only is the NFL set up for uh, pass catchers to come in and be, impact players immediately because, you know, a couple of years, even just a couple of years ago, like the receiving position and tight ends were the one positions where there was usually a bit of a learning curve coming into the NFL for whatever reason. Maybe it was just, they couldn't get on the field enough um, as rookies, but we saw a time. I mean, TJ Hawkinson uh, had a good rookie year. Like he immediately came in and had an impact in, in Detroit. Noah Fant to an extent had an a, a impact coming in. As a rookie, uh, tons of receivers. I mean, we go down a laundry list of receivers yeah. last year that were rookies that had great years. I don't—yeah, I mean, they need to tie it in. Like, I don't think that anybody is trying to argue that Blake Jarwin is, you know, the guy yeah. tied in they need to have going into the future. I mean, so. I like
0: Blake Jarwin, and he's he fits in that offense well, and, and I think he is going to be the recipient if—you know, again, he got hurt so early last year, but— with everybody else you have to pay attention to in that offense, he's a guy that will have the opportunity to feast. Because no, like you said, nobody is going to put a lot of focus on Blake Jarwin when you have Zeke Elliott and CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper on the field. So now, now take that situation and, and add just the physical gifts that Kyle Pitts brings to the table. And the interesting part about Kyle Pitts is he's almost the safest pick while also probably having as much upside as anybody in the draft at the same time. Like, how often do you get a guy in the draft that is a safe pick, but also might have as much upside as anybody there is?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... Okay, let me, but let me ask you this. So, if Pitts is gone before 10, yeah. I'm looking at a mock draft right now, how's it going? Six. Um, seems like a weird pick. They had Philadelphia moving up to six to take him, which seems a little odd. Uh, you I know, think given that's Philadelphia. That have a quarterback. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they were okay. I'm misreading. Uh they're, the thing is saying the caption is saying they tanked to move from nine to six, okay. which is yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. you know, Nate Sutfield playing in that game, you could probably <laughs> definitely argue that was a tank job. Um, yeah, it's, it, Pitts at six when they don't have a quarterback seems a little little interesting, but if Pitts is gone before ten, if you're Dallas, are you are you going out and you're trying to get a free agent tied in or are you gonna just keep Blake Jarwin? I think you keep Blake, Blake I, Jarwin,
0: I, I, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, I was gonna ask is Blake Jarwin is the void at tight end bad enough that you need to go spend money on a tight end, yeah. or is it just that Kyle Pitts is such a potential star that you need to take him in the draft? Yeah,
0: it's it's just it, that has everything to do with Kyle Pitts and nothing to do with Blake Jarwin. I Blake Jarwin is is totally fine in that role. Like I, I again I, I think that he could be a top ten tied end in, in the NFL this year statistically. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's my, I, I think the only thing that would stop him from that is just there's so many guys in that offense catching
0: passes. Well, that's, that's why, you know, there's so much focus on CeeDee Lamb and well, Michael Gallup. Yeah, yeah. He's going to have really good matchups, I think, most weeks. Um, again, I, I think he is perfectly fine in that offense and I think he would do a good job. And they, I mean, they just gave him a contract before last year. Uh, so they like him as well. Kyle Pitts is just, you know, it's it's a once-in-a-generation type situation. That's that's the only thing. So when I talk about Kyle Pitts as the number 10 pick, it has nothing to do with Dallas's tight end situation. It has everything to do with just what type of talent Kyle Pitts is.
1: Hey, how many times have we had a conversation where Dallas is in the red zone or, like, you know, it's second and goal yeah. on a seven, and they end up, they can't score a touchdown, yeah. adding a 6'6", six, six, 250 pound right now. I mean, he could put out, depending on what they want him to do, he could put on another 10 pounds or whatever, but like to bring in a legitimate red zone threat,
0: he's the best college tight end I've ever seen. Like I easy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes their offense even more dynamic. Cause it, you know, they just, again, his, whatever Blade Jarwin is, he just, he's never developed his, you know, that red zone guy. Yeah. That guy that they could, you know, just throw a jump ball to, when it's they're eight yards away or whatever it is, so yeah, I mean Kyle Pitts makes their offense just that much better. Um, I why not? Like if Kyle Pitts is there, take Kyle Pitts, and then you can use the rest of the draft and just draft offensive linemen. It's not like it's not like we've had conversations about these offensive linemen going in the first round being like immediate elite impact players that they couldn't also find that in the second or the third round
0: yeah the only guy that I think might present an argument to to draft over Kyle Pitts if he were there is is Sewell,
1: who's probably not going to be there, at but
0: 10. Uh, again, I have a hard time believing that he's even available at ten but if if that were to happen, then I think you have a real conversation uh but look like if both of those guys are gone, I think Rashawn Slater makes a lot of sense at ten who
1: is yeah out of uh Northwestern yeah,
0: and then yeah if, this if for some reason Kyle Pitts and then both of the two tackles, Sewell and Slater, are both gone, I think it becomes really interesting at that point. And, you know, maybe it's it's who you like better between Caleb Varley and Patrick Sertan, the two top corners in this draft. Um, maybe it's Christian Barmore. I don't know. It, it, I think it's it, it's really interesting if that becomes the scenario and, and it, beca- it almost feels like it becomes a draft for need type thing.
1: Yeah, which Dallas doesn't, I mean... In recent years, it's not really something that like I mean, yeah, Jerry. At least in the first round, it feels like Jerry's usually taking the best on the board.
0: Yeah, they've done that. They've done a really good job of that the last few years, yeah. and that's again that's why their te- their roster is is very talented.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, he definitely didn't need CD last year. No, he ended up with you know a potential Pro Bowl All Pro receiver. I mean, he was really good his rookie year. He kind of he kind of fizzled out. I feel I felt like as the year went on. Um well,
0: again, just kind of look not- at the offense. It was.
1: Yeah, right, exactly. Andy Dalton
0: in a patchwork offensive line. Yeah, exactly. So not, it's not I
1: mean, it wasn't a knock on him. Was yeah. Just You saw the potential. There was an see the potential there. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at the top 10. So Jacksonville's definitely going to go Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. New York's going to go quarterback. Miami, I, I think they're going to go. I th- they probably would go receiver, I would imagine. I don't know who it would be out of the three guys that are going to be up there, but to me, Miami
0: is either I don't going know
1: they, they really need somebody to catch passes
0: yeah they're either going pass catcher or offensive lineman and the fact that they just added which those, you know, Isaiah Wilson maybe says you know they they uh go receiver here
1: yeah Atlanta probably going quarterback Cincinnati I would be shocked if they don't take an offensive lineman so there's one offensive lineman off the board right there yeah um because they, they've got to do something. Their offensive line has so, been so bad for the last few years, and they've got to keep Burroughs healthy going down the road. Philadelphia. Philadelphia is interesting because they don't have a quarterback, depending on how they feel about Jalen Hurts. Which,
0: well, they've, they, the owner this week has said that he's the guy. So,
1: uh, All right. Yeah. I mean, okay, that, put, that makes it tough for Pitts to be there because you have to imagine Hurts is going to be gone out of there, uh, if, especially if they're trying to cut down their cap. Detroit, I have no idea what Detroit's gonna do. They're so bad, just all over the place. Yeah. Carolina, uh, I, I assume a quarterback's going there, whether it's to Carolina or to Houston. Denver, who knows? I mean, they could take a they could go anywhere. Their roster's also pretty damn bad. Yeah, I mean it, I just looking off of what those teams need in the top ten. I mean, it's completely reasonable that Pitts could be there. It really just depends on what Philadelphia, well, Detroit's not going to be the tight end. I guess Philadelphia and Carolina are the two teams that could draft pits that look at that position and say, we need a tight end. We need another pass catcher, but
0: yeah. Philadelphia also has Goddard, don't they?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They've got Goddard. Um, They, I mean, who knows? They could change. They've got a whole new, you know, coaching staff in there. I was going to say they they run a lot of tight two tight end sets with Goddard and Ertz, but they, that's, that that you know that regime is gone. They need a so they knows? need a
0: number one receiver badly. That, they haven't
1: had one in yeah. ten years. Yeah. So if you have DeSean like Jackson. if you have
0: a Jamar Chase or a Devontae Smith, it, to me it would seem for Philadelphia like it'd be hard to pass one of those guys yeah. up.
1: Yeah, for sure. I guess the thought process with Pitts maybe it makes gives Hertz a bigger target to throw to. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know. Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is gonna be really bad next year, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's completely possible. I think that Dallas, you think you could probably pencil in Pitts or or an off you know Slater or Sewell depending on what Cincinnati wants to do.
0: Yeah, I, I I'll do backflips if they get Pitts and I, I I there there might be a lot of Cowboys fans that are like, what are you doing? You need defensive help, <laughs> but uh, I don't man. So they, and- yeah, he's a he's just a freak.
1: Okay, so if those two guys get gone at ten, is there anybody that stands out? Like, are you going with Caleb Farley or Sertain, or are you like what is Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC? Is there, or is it just kind of at that point? If those, if you know, you're not getting Pitts or Slater or Sewell, that you're just kind of like whatever, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, I yeah, best player on the board. Um, I mean at that point. I wouldn't mind a trade down necessarily, but if it were me, I would probably go Caleb Farley there.
1: Cornerback out of a uh, Tech. Yeah.
0: And then in the second round, you know, you still have, I think a lot of options as far as adding a tackle that could help you, uh, adding a, a defensive lineman that could help you. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that there's,
0: I, I think Dallas
1: can probably go get, if they can figure out a way to free up some money to spend in free agency, they could probably go get some cornerback help out the free agent market. I mean, the 49ers just alone. Now, obviously San Francisco could resign some of these dudes, but they've got five cornerbacks going to free. I mean, <laughs> Richard Sherman and Jason Verrett, Dante yeah. John Like that's just off of one team. Like there's going to be plenty of, you know, defensive backs they could get in free agency, which I don't know, might not be the worst thing. I, Patrick Peterson's probably going to be a free agent. Now he's, Uh, he's okay at this point, I would say. He's definitely not the shutdown guy he used to be. But you can still go get help there. But I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting, though. At least your team's got a draft pick.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, yours might. You just don't know who it is yet.
1: That's true. I don't know who my team is. That that is fair. Well, I I could probably guarantee you that whatever team I'm rooting for, they're not going to have a first-round pick this year. But
0: Yeah, that's true. Because it'll move in the Deshaun trade. Who, I don't care. I'll take Deshaun Watson over anybody in this draft. Absolutely. 100%. So, yeah. I was asked this yesterday about the Dak deal. I was asked if I would rather have Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson. And then I was also asked whether I would have Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson. So the answer to both of those is the other guy. I would rather have Deshaun Watson than Dak Prescott. I would also rather have Russell Wilson... Than Dak Prescott, like both of those guys are superior quarterbacks. Not disputing that at all. But just just for example, if you're going to go get Deshaun Watson, and we'll just we'll just use you know the, some of the latest rumors, uh, it would take Dallas giving up three first round picks, and you're you're obviously not going to have Dak back. So you're bringing in this new quarterback, losing three picks, and you've got. Basically the same contract that Dak has now, but it's not structured in a way that gives you the ability to make other moves this year. So like when you add all that up from a, from a team building standpoint, it doesn't even make sense to go get Deshaun Watson. And like I told you, the Cowboys roster right now is built to try and win immediately so I, I to me that I just don't see where that makes any sense at all giving up that much draft capital and I think tightening the rope on your salary cap to bring in a, a quarterback that is better but is it is it night and day difference I, I don't know that it's night and day difference as far as the offense goes I, I think that
1: okay so for like Carolina giving up which Reports are that Carolina was willing to give this to Houston. Houston's just being – they're being dumbasses. Carolina was willing to give three first-round picks and Christian McCaffrey for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. That deal – that's a lot. But that deal makes a little bit more sense for them because Dallas at least has a top-10 quarterback to fall back on if they don't trade for Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. Right. Carolina has – they don't have a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is one of the – out of all the uh, 32 starters, I'd say he's probably in the bottom 10 as far as starting quarterbacks go. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I yeah. love Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, big fan, but like he's just, it's not there. Like he's not, he's not a top tier quarterback that's going to take your team to a Super Bowl. Christian McCaffrey's a running back. The shelf life is small. They've run him into the ground his first three years. That deal makes all the sense in the world to bring in Deshaun Watson, who's still at 25, 26. Great. You know, Joe Brady is in, and, uh, and uh, Matt Rule, like, the, it, it makes total sense. But f- you're right. For Dallas, it doesn't make sense. And I agree. It, if it's Dak or the other guy, it's always the other guy. I think that Deshaun yeah. Watson, for me, just from a playmaking standpoint and just all like all of the intangible stuff, elite. Like, just top-tier yeah. quarterback for me. And then Russell Wilson, from a throwing perspective, is probably one of the ten best passers I've ever seen. He throws. I think he throws the best deep ball in the NFL. Right. But, but those guys aren't free
0: agents. That's the problem. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. You've got a top 10 guy to fall back on quarterback. So why could you, why, why mortgage the future? Because like you said, that's a win now team. So why does it make them that much? Does it give them that much of a better chance to win now by mortgaging their future and bringing in one of those other two quarterbacks?
0: I guess I, I don't it, think I mean, it does. And I would say this, I don't think they're a win now team that still has several holes. Right. So I don't think you just get better at the quarterback position and everything is fine, and you don't have the ability to fill any of the other holes. So, if you
1: had to put a, if you had to put a, a like a cap on their window right now, you say like three to four years is probably like think, realistically what their window is. I think it's probably ooh, two. You think so? Yeah. There's, I I mean, there, a lot of their player most of their players are in their prime. I agree. But they're still pretty young. Like, Amari's still young. Dak's only 27. CD's, I mean, CD's only coming, he's going to be his second year in the league. I, I mean, you've got some defensive players that are getting a little bit older. But, like we said, their defense was so, was potentially the worst defense ever last year. Is that necessarily a bad thing if you get some of those dudes out and bring new faces in?
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe. I'm just I mean, saying with with this core group, and when I say core group, I'm saying Dak, Zeke, Amari Cooper,
1: um I think Zeke's I think Zeke for sure is his yeah. windows almost closed yeah. as far as him being, you know, in his prime T- running back. Yeah, Tyron back.
0: Smith, uh um, Yeah,
1: I think he's Zach I think he's Martin, done
0: DeMarcus Lawrence, the two linebackers, Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. Like that's yeah. that's the core group and I agree with the offensive line. Like, I think Tyron Smith probably
1: passed his prime. And then, I mean.
0: Yeah, Lyle DeMarcus Collins didn't war. even play last year. Zach right. Martin was hurt. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, yeah, I, I think that window, before you, you have to really start having the conversation about the money that guys are going to be making with some of the contracts they've given out down the road and what the production is going to be at that point, Um, yeah, I think, I think in two years, if they haven't got it done, this roster is going to look different. So,
1: yeah,
0: it's just sucks that they've got Mike
1: McCarthy as the head coach. I know you got a two year window with Mike McCarthy. Good luck. Yeah. (sighs) They could get any, they could get any coach they wanted. I guess they can't because they probably want Lincoln Riley, but outside of Lincoln Riley, they could probably get any coach they wanted and they go with Mike McCarthy. Yeah. who I said, I think I said it a, a, a while back. It kind of feels like it was just kind of like a stopgap as for Jerry Jones to like continue to try and convince Lincoln to leave Norman. Yeah. Because nobody's going to bat an eye if they fire Mike McCarthy to bring in Lincoln. No, Riley. Not at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, he, you know, he's, he's a veteran. He's been around the league for a long time. Like he's really, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it, it made sense if it is a stopgap. To bring in a right, guy, exactly. that, yeah, that that you know you're not gonna. Ha- he's not learning how to be an NFL head. Well, maybe he's he is, but he's done it for a while. Know. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what a disaster. Um, yeah, I just I just don't know how they could do any better at the quarterback position without completely. You have a top ten quarterback blowing up the roster. Yeah, yeah. Assuming that Dak comes back and is not any
1: worse than he was before he got hurt. Which like I said, I don't think that's I I think it's completely reasonable to think he's gonna come back and be just fine. You got a top ten quarterback and you don't have to mortgage anything other than Jerry Jones's money. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like Jerry Jones is paying for the mistake of not signing him a year ago or two years ago, but it's not it's not impacting the salary cap in a way that you're just, you know, you're you're losing. It's
1: is it is it crazy to you that Zeke got an extension before Dak?
0: Yes and no. I mean, I th- you know those first couple years, Dak was really good, but Zeke was the rushing champion in back-to-back sure. seasons, and
1: um, just positionally though, like yeah. to lock up a running back before right. you lock up a quarterback, yeah. Which could just tell you that they were not maybe not super confident that Dak was the guy they needed to lock up for. 5 years and 150 million dollars or whatever they were going to end up paying him a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people have, also just thought like that offensive line was so good that could have been anybody. It could have been anybody behind center and as long as you're running the ball with Zeke and that offensive line that you were going to be fine and that obviously isn't true. So And the offensive line is not as dominant as it was, so you know, Travis Frederick retired prematurely and there you go it uh, dominoes and other about other time. guys start getting hurt. Uh, what'd you think of the Blake Griffin signing for the Brooklyn nets? Uh, why? I mean,
1: I, I, yeah, I don't, we talked about it on the draft. Like the fit seems weird. It's not first off, just from the Brooklyn perspective, they don't need a Blake Griffin. They need, uh, they need a defensive center. They need somebody to protect the rim. Blake Griffin's not going to do that. Um, Blake Griffin is not at this. Blake Griffin is so beaten down physically after he's had like nine surgeries over the past few years, like some crazy amount of surgeries. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't dunked since 2019. Really? Yeah. That's insane. So the athleticism is gone. Yeah. I don't, at this point, I don't know that he's better than Jeff Green, who plays a lot of that four in Brooklyn. They said that they brought in Griffin to potentially play the small ball five, but what yeah. the hell is Blake Griffin going to do at the five? He's he, you know, he's not a rimper. He can't jump anymore. He's not. He doesn't have that athleticism, like I said. It's just a it's a it's a weird fit. And like if Blake Griffin only went there to get a ring, that's fine. But you could have went to either of the Los Angeles teams, played, and still potentially gotten a ring. Had just as good a, get a chance of getting a ring as as Brooklyn does. So it just, it, it was a weird signing. Apparently Blake's really close with Kyrie. So maybe that's kind of why it happened. Um, yeah. Kyrie probably went in the front office like, Hey, we need to sign Blake. Hey, you know, he's still got some, but like, like, you know, Kyrie's watching the Pistons on league pass. I,
0: I know the athleticism isn't nearly what it was, but I also think we saw his skills developing as his career went on and He's a better basketball player than he's, he was. Right, he's sure. a considerably better basketball player overall. And and look, if if you think that, I guess it's a matter of perspective with this signing. Like, if you believe that Blake Griffin is going to be a key piece to the Brooklyn Nets run, then yeah, this is this is a terrible signing. I, I don't I don't necessarily view it that way. I guess I like I, I don't. It doesn't view...
1: hurt Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, it doesn't hurt that. Like he he's going to be a guy that allows you to stagger minutes because you you can potentially run like a two-man game with him and either Harden or Kyrie when the other and Durant are on the bench resting. Like it's I just I view him that way where uh it's it's not like I view him being like the missing piece when all those guys are on the floor together as much as like Blake Griffin is a guy that you can kind of kind of stagger the lineups with and give you production, you know, as as a, a a piece that that can touch the ball when other guys are on the bench. Like it just,
1: I just don't know that he's. I don't know that he's better than anybody they're playing in their rotation right now. I just like. I don't know that he goes in there necessarily, and you need him to stagger minutes. I mean, he could like it. At the very least, it gives them more depth. Yeah. So if Jeff Green gets hurt or uh, that Claxton kid gets hurt, like you could throw Blake Griffin in there, and he could potentially have some big games. And it's you have to imagine playing in this team with those three dudes that they've got. He's gonna have games where he's gonna have twenty points, absolutely. On, you know, eight to ten shooting or whatever, and he's gonna have big number games. I just. I, from just a Blake Griffin perspective, I felt like he could have a bigger impact if he would have went somewhere else. If he would have went to Phoenix or, you know, the Lakers or the Clippers, uh, he could be in the same... just as good a situation to win a championship this year and played a lot more. Yeah. but Maybe.
0: I, I, I You kind of hit on something, though, that I wanted to hit on. Like, think about when Blake is on the floor, though, with those guys. Like, he may not be the same player that he used to be, but also... When he's on the floor with Kyrie and Kevin Durant and James Harden, who are defenders paying attention to? Not Blake Griffin. No. So, so the opportunity for him to produce when he's sharing the floor with those guys is certainly a better opportunity because there's going to be little to no focus on Blake Griffin. Like, nobody is going to have the game plan, hey, we got to worry about Blake Griffin today. It's, we got to stop Kevin Durant, and we got to stop James Harden, and we got to stop Kyrie. And we got to stop these other guys that shoot the three ball when you do potentially shut those guys down. I I just think that this is an opportunity where, again, Blake Griffin may not be an all-star caliber player anymore, but he's also in a situation where nobody's expecting him to be an all-star caliber player, and there's zero pressure on him to be the guy that's that's getting it done. So I think just by default, uh, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to have productive nights like you mentioned simply because – you're not putting your best defenders on Blake Griffin. I, I am.
1: I am. I'm curious. I want to see if he has this potential or this ability, uh, just in general, I, I want to see, cause he did run some point forward with the Clippers right. and with Detroit a little bit. I wonder if they could potentially, if they decide to sit, you know, jet Harden's on the bench, they've got Kyrie and KD on the floor. If you could potentially run the offense through Blake, as kind of like a point center or a point forward, maybe like a, like kind of like Jokic doesn't, he's not going to be anywhere close to as good as Jokic, but if he could do it, you know, you know, pretty well, like it just gives another wrinkle to that Brooklyn offense, which is already
0: borderline unstoppable with the guys they have on the roster, but he's skilled enough that they can use him. And again, like, my expectation isn't that he's going to go in there and average twenty points a game. That's that's absurd. He won't get
1: enough shots, right? Yeah, there's just no way.
0: But he's skilled enough that he can be an asset, for sure. Yeah, uh, here's
1: another crazy stat: just the the fall of Blake Griffin. I think but he went to Detroit, and people just kind of like quit paying attention to him. Yeah. Over his three years in Detroit, now given he hasn't he hasn't played a ton of games in Detroit. Actually, he played seventy five in one year, but. Uh, let's just that go the, the last, the <laughs> last two years he's played. I, he's played 38 games the last two years in Detroit. He has three double doubles.
0: Wow. Well, you also have to remember he was sharing the front court with Deandre Drummond, who's Snack like a, lot a of reb- 15 sure. rebound a yeah. night guy.
1: And then Jeremy Grant came in this year. and
0: was like, all right, it's my team. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Like, Jeremy Grant's having I'm statistically a having a really good season.
1: Yeah. Hell, he went to, Des- I mean, Shout out to Jeremy Grant. Like he was on a good team in Denver and was like, I'm gonna go to Detroit because I want to be the guy. I don't <laughs> care if we win three
0: games, right. I'm the guy. I'm gonna average twenty-four and twelve. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and just, Christian Wood was there too, right? Yeah, last year. Last yeah. year, yeah. They had they had Andre Drummond, uh Blake Griffin, and Christian Wood in the front court last year. Yeah.
1: Blake only played eighteen games last year, but yeah, I mean,
0: still. Yeah. But the year before that, he averaged what? Uh yeah, the
1: year before that, which just slipped down. He played seventy five games the year before that. Yeah.
0: Averaged twenty four and a half and seven and a half rebounds.
1: Yeah. So bad.
0: I don't know. I, I don't think that, he's just done. I don't think he's washed up. I don't think he's just like this guy that I think, adds nothing. So I think he's done a great job over the past
1: five to six years of developing his actual basketball game yes, to agreed. the point where, like you said, he's not washed anymore. Like he still has a lot that he can provide for a team because he's not just a guy that never developed his game and just his athleticism went and he just couldn't do anything. Right, We've seen that a ton of times with guys that come in the NBA and like are just unlike like Uber athletes that just can do whatever they want with their athleticism, which is, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm just keeping an eye on a guy like Zion to see how much his game evolves as he get, you know, continues his career in the NBA because eventually it happens with everybody. You're going to lose your legs.
0: Exactly. Well, and, and look, I think when you go back and look at his numbers over the course of his career, the rebounds have gone down from year. He's I played mean, further
1: further away from the basket. Because he's playing
0: further... Yeah, his skill set has improved, and and so he's not playing in, like right under the basket. I think in the early days, he was just a, a dunker, an athlete, uh, you know bigger stronger you know more athletic than than the opponent and so that's what he did as his skills have developed uh, you know the, the numbers may not may not recognize that he is the same type of player but yeah I look and, and here's you mentioned the Detroit thing like people just completely forgot about him and quit watching him. I think there's also probably a massive amount of motivation after being stuck in Detroit for two years, to do whatever it takes to just be on the radar again as far as the NBA. So I think he's he's gonna take on whatever role they ask of him in Brooklyn. It, you know, if that's go get us ten rebounds a game, I think he does that. If that's, you know, run some two man game while, you know, our top two guys are on the bench. Like, you know, it's I, I there's just I think he's skilled enough, he can do a lot of different things and he will embrace whatever they ask him to do because he's been in Detroit.
1: Yeah, 2010-2011 uh, uh he averaged 22 and a half and 12 rebounds. So, yeah, and then you can like you said look down his entire career. Each year it, his rebound numbers just kind of dip because like you said he's playing further further away from the basket. He he became, he's really become a shooter at this point. Yeah. Like he's a spot up four basically. Yeah.
0: And he, he handles the ball. He's a good I mean, I, I think he's yeah. – uh, I'm not saying he's he's like Steph Curry out there passing the ball, or you mentioned Jokic, but he's a good enough passer. It, it's so funny that Blake Griffin came into
1: the league dunking over cars, yeah, and now he's like one of the top old man games in the league. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, that's a credit to him, though. You know, like yeah, for sure. He just he he worked on his skills, and and uh, yeah, I, I, I I'm I'm really curious to see how they use him. I guess is he's my only thirty one. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. It feels uh, like I was looking the other day. Like uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, it's like forty. He's like, yeah, he's like, he's like late thirties. I didn't realize. Like I think Aldridge is probably older than I thought he was, and Blake is younger than I thought he was because I was kind of thinking maybe those guys were close, but
1: Blake was in Norman for two years, right?
0: Yeah, he not He hurt that first year.
1: Yeah. Or yeah, I think so. I think. One of the years he got hurt, I'm pretty sure. I can't remember if it was his freshman or his sophomore year. I'm trying to – or, or no,
0: he got hurt his rookie year, didn't he?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He missed his rookie was. year in the NBA. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I can't remember. Did he get hurt at OU and then they drafted him one still?
0: Oh, man. <laughs> that's that's a good question.
1: I don't remember. It was so long ago. I can't remember he either. Was, he, he did miss his entire rookie year. Yeah, I knew he missed the rookie Or what would have been his year, rookie year. Yeah.
0: I, I No, because didn't they go to the Final Four? With
1: Blake? I don't with think Blake. so. With Blake.
0: Or maybe it was the Elite Eight. They, I think
1: they, they did make it pretty far, but I don't think they made it to the Final Four.
0: Okay, maybe it was the Elite Eight. But yeah, they they made a tournament run with Blake, so. Uh...
1: This is going to bother me.
0: Let's see. The 09 season.
1: Is a final preseason game, his rookie year.
0: There you go. Yeah, he got
1: hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, his sophomore year, they made it to the... It's really hard to uh, gather information <laughs> on Wikipedia really fast. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, I think they, I think it was the elite eight. Maybe, I think they lost a UNC now that I'm thinking about it, but that could be.
1: Yeah, it was the elite eight. They lost North Carolina. Yep. North Carolina. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now, which UNC team that was, I can't.
1: He had a 33 and 17 against (laughs) Michigan in the second round of the tournament.
0: Crazy. Crazy. Was that, was that the Tyler Hansborough UNC team? I
1: I want to say he was gone already. Okay. Maybe it was the Ty Lawson UNC team. I'm trying to. I don't even remember who won the tournament that year.
0: I think Carolina won it. If I I mean yeah, North
1: Carolina won. Yeah, they did. My my memory's a little
0: hazy going back that Uh, far.
1: Wayne Ellington was the most outstanding player.
0: Okay. Yeah, Hansborough was there. Oh, he was. was, Yeah, it was Ty Lawson, Ellington, Hansbro, Danny Green. It's a good team. That team was loaded, yeah. Who's the fifth starter? Um, Deion Thompson. College basketball is
1: one of those. It's that one sport where in the moment, like, you don't, you're just like, okay, these guys are college basketball players. Like, because they just don't stand out. Like, Danny Green was probably scoring, like, eight points a game. Or yeah. something like that, and yeah. then they go to the NBA and they're like become what they become in the NBA. And then you look back, like God bless, they yeah. had so many good players on their team. Yeah.
0: Well, Danny Green was like he was a McDonald's All American, but yeah, I mean he wasn't. He didn't have big stats on that yeah. Carolina I mean, team. North because they had Carolina, so many Duke. dudes.
1: Yeah, but UNC and Duke, like the, the blue, the right. blue bloods of college basketball get All Americans all the time out of high school, right? And yeah, but yeah, but like college football, we don't really look back at the teams and say, wow. Like look at all these dudes I didn't know they <laughs> right, had. Right, like, that, that they just, I just didn't forgot produce. They had. And, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, we do with like Tyreek Hill maybe, or yeah. I mean, every once in a while, yeah. there's that guy that's like, why didn't he do more in college?
1: Coach, well, because Gundy, but we know why.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Uh, also, are, are, are you uh, are you down for a draft on Friday?
1: Oh, absolutely! I'm always down for a draft.
0: All right, I'll uh, I'll send you the details. But uh, yeah, we got a draft Friday. Okay. Cool. Did you watch WandaVision? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's, it's it, the, the draft this week is inspired by WandaVision. So.
1: Okay, good. I figured, I figured, but uh, yeah, I don't, I, I won't
0: say anything because I'm sure there's a ton of people that haven't finished it yet, but I enjoyed it. It's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it's not even a week old yet. So yeah, we won't give any spoilers, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll draft on Friday. So uh, I will, uh, I'll shoot you over the details and uh, we'll touch base then. All right, sounds good. All right, buddy. Uh, anything, right. Uh, anything you got to, to promote? Uh,
1: nothing to promote right now. Just uh, follow me on Twitter, okay. Mister Davis Media, and uh, yeah, I, I do want to say real quick though, I've just—it's been so hard for me every time I see a mock draft on Twitter or just like a top ten quarterbacks or anything like that—to not just tag Chris Sims like, "What's oh. going on?" Okay, yeah. Let's uh, let's
0: extend this for a minute
1: because like, it's been, I, well. There's been like five or six times where I'm like I'm about to tweet Chris Sims like where's him on bro. I
0: was yeah. I I actually meant to bring this up earlier, and then we we went down a different rabbit hole, and and uh, I forgot. But okay, so I, I immediately when I saw this last week, I, I text you the the Chris Sims uh, QB rankings. So first of all, he has Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence. He has Kellen Mond as the fourth-ranked quarterback in this class and says that Kellen Mond has a better arm than Trevor Lawrence. And it's it's one of those things that it's so outlandish. I was like, I got to just hear if there's even any justification for this. So I actually listened to the podcast where he talks about all this. Number one, if he's not related to Zach Wilson, it's shocking because I've never heard any NFL person talk about a prospect as glowingly as he talks about Zach Wilson, but he secondly, put him up
1: there with Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes
0: yeah. right now. But he said, yeah. he has the arm talent of a Pat Mahomes, yeah. Aaron Rodgers or a Brett Favre. Yeah. But then secondly, the Kellen Mon thing, having a better arm than Trevor Lawrence and like, dude, I got done listening to that. And he, I actually believe that he believes that, like I told you last week, I didn't, like, part of me just wondered if this was just one of those, like, is he just saying this to get listens and to get clicks, and is he just being outlandish? Like, I actually think he believes that. So I, I like, was like, am I missing something here? And Kobe. I went back and watched Kellen Mond and Zach Wilson, and I'll repeat it, I I, I don't see what Chris Sims is seeing. Colby, he didn't even know who, he said this on the podcast with Mike Florio. He didn't even know Who Kellen
1: Mond was until his dad was like, hey, you should check this guy out at Texas A&M. He's really good. I watched – so I listened to that too, and I was like, I got to watch some Kellen Mond. Like I got to see what he said. I I was like, am I
0: just missing this?
1: I found a YouTube video. It was every throw that Kellen Mond made at the Senior Bowl. I watched two minutes of this eight-minute video (laughs) and watched him miss like three passes. Like they weren't even close. If he completed a couple passes, they – were not very accurate. He didn't hit him on the guy in the numbers. I just like two minutes of an eight minute video from one game. And I was like, this is like, what is he's wrong. He's just wrong. Like there's nothing that I, he could see. Like, I'm not like he, Chris Sims knows way more about football than I do. He knows more, way more about throwing a football and being a quarterback Again. than I do. But he is absolutely wrong. He's just a hundred percent wrong. And Mond being better than Justin Fields, having a better arm than Trevor Lawrence, being the fourth best quarterback in this draft. Yep. I, he's wrong. He's just completely wrong. And it's, it's insane. It's insane that he's getting paid. He
0: like, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think he's doing it for a shock factor. I think he really just thinks that right. I really think. Yeah. yeah. I was convinced after I listened that, you know, cause again, we, we all know that sometimes in sports media, people just do these things to get attention. And sometimes they just say outlandish things that they don't really believe just to get people talking about their content and, and their name. I actually believe that he believed that when he was selling it. And I told you last week. I've, Kellen Mond to me is Jalen Hurts light. Like I think he's very similar to Hurts, but I don't think he's as good as Jalen Hurts is. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, and we've talked. We
1: talked about it. Like Kellen Mond could. I mean, he could. Could he start eight games or you know start a season for a team and win five games? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. But this. Is, yeah, it's. I. I. It's insane that he has. Like, I just don't. Kellen Mond played four years at AM. Yeah. Three is a full time starter. And the fact that nobody at any point ever had him in the conversation of being like one of the best quarterbacks, even in college football. Right. Should tell you that he's probably not that good, especially if you're just watching tape. Because that's all Chris Sims is doing, because he admitted on that podcast he doesn't watch that much college football. Right. He admitted that he had no idea who Kellen Mond was until his dad brought him up to him. So he's only watching YouTube videos. Oh, yeah,
0: man, it's it's crazy. I didn't get the look. I I'll at least say like there is a lot to be excited about as far as Zach Wilson's upside. Sure. I like yeah. I'm I'm not gonna shoot down the fact that Zach Wilson couldn't be a really good NFL quarterback. Uh, I would never feel like I I was gonna put him at the top of the list of quarterbacks available in this draft, but. You're insane that you
1: would... It, just the thought that taking him over Trevor Lawrence right. is insane to me.
0: Crazy to me, too. But, like, if, if you like him, you like him. Like, I, I can totally understand why somebody would feel like Zach Wilson's going to be a good player. I don't get it with... Mo, like, I I don't even have... Mo, I have Jamie Newman ahead of Mond.
1: I, I don't... Like... From what I have read, I have read, so after we had this conversation, I read multiple scouting reports on Monday. I watched a ton of YouTube videos, like, I, I, like, really the only, you know, thing that I can see that people agree on is he, like, he's a good, he throws a good deep ball, but he's terrible in intermediate routes. He's terrible in the pocket. He has a better like, arm than
0: Trevor Lawrence, Aaron. You know what, you're right. Hey. He has a better arm than Trevor Lawrence. Arguably one of the
1: 10 best quarterbacks ever in college football. Arguably the guy that throws the best deep ball we've seen in 20 years in college football. Better than him. Better. Just, just better. Hell, the fact that – you remember that time Kellen Mond won two Heismans in a row? <laughs> and, oh, man. And that should be – that should be, you know, let you know enough that Kellen Mond is elite.
0: Oh, wow. All those awards he won. All those games he won. Yeah. It's wild, dude. I don't – I, and he believes it. He, he, I can, I can at least, uh, give him that. Like I, I definitely. Turns out he's just an actual idiot. Yeah. Apparently. I mean, I, I, I he, he uh, appar- I've heard that he, uh, was like the number one believer on Josh Allen too. I, he brought that up. He said, well, everybody said I was, fr- I had, I
1: had Lamar Jackson one, Josh Allen two. Baker Mayfield three and
0: everybody said, Oh, you're crazy. Yeah. I, I Who's really laughing that, now? But if he did,
1: like, if you, you got, if, if you have to literally, here's what I've learned in sports media. If you literally have to bring up something you were right about and you have a specific example, it probably means that you're not super confident in what you're saying or you're wrong a lot more than you're right.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, if you only have one example, yeah, for sure.
1: Right. Most people think I'm wrong all the time, but here's one example of yep. when I was right. About I something. got you know, this one when,
0: right. And it's not even that crazy of a statement to say
1: Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen were both first round picks. It's not like he said that Tom Brady was the best quarterback in the draft <laughs> going in the sixth round.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, wow. I don't know, man. I Le- I, I'll, be, uh, I'll be really curious to see. He said this week that he could see uh, Kellen Mond going in the top 15 of the draft. I mean, I guess possibly, but that that's not in a that, that that's not saying that Kellamond is the fourth best quarterback in this draft. No, I, I I I would be willing to make a wager that he doesn't go in the top fifteen of this draft. I league. I like, I agree. I just like you you said
1: that like it's pretty realistic, maybe five quarterbacks go in the top ten.
0: Yeah, potentially.
1: So just by elimination of numbers, there could be a team at like eighteen that's like, oh, we kinda we think we need a quarterback who's available. Kellen Mond.
0: (laughs) Oh, God bless. Kellen Mond. It would just, it would be the most shocking thing I think I've ever seen in the history of the draft. If he were to go, I agree. I don't
1: see it. I don't think he's, I, I wouldn't take him in the first three rounds, honestly, but whatever. I mean, who, who was it? Who? Okay. I, I one last thing for you have this conversation. Cause I can't think of it. Is it Chris Sims that got his uh, roommates? Who was it? Yes. Chris Sims. that got another yeah. player's name tattooed on him. Yeah. Who was the other player?
0: Uh, the head coach for the San Francisco 49ers.
1: That was Kyle Shanahan. That's yeah. right.
0: Kyle Shanahan and Chris Sims have each other's tattoo, have each other's initials tattooed that's on right. him.
1: Yeah. I forgot about that. I, well, I always remember. I forgot. It's Kyle Shanahan. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Cause I think like Maybe. he was also asked this week if, uh, Mond would be a good fit for Kyle Shanahan's system in San Francisco because they obviously need a quarterback. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan and Chris Sims have tattoos of each other's initials. Wow. It's just very, next, very next, odd.
1: Next to that KS, Chris can get, a, he can add a, a ZW and a KM. <laughs> yeah.
0: Will you get a KM tattoo if Kellen Mond becomes Hall of Fame quarterback? Yes. There you go.
1: I'm very confident that he's not going to become <laughs> a Hall of Fame quarterback.
0: Agreed. Agreed. All right, buddy. Uh, we will do the draft on Friday. Always appreciate you, man. All right. See ya. That is Aaron Davis joining me every Wednesday on the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. It's all about educating yourself. And if you have any questions whatsoever about these products, don't hesitate to give them a call, 405-458-9699. They have a staff that's dedicated to helping you live a better life. Also, we're saving you 15% off your online order. Visit a abotanicalcompany.com. Order online, use the discount code COLBYSHOW, and you'll save 15%. They have easy and safe pickup. There's a drive-through, so you can do that very safely and efficiently at Artisan Botanicals. And again, visit a abotanicalcompany.com. Everybody have a great day, stay safe, and I will talk to you tomorrow. It's is over.